Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello and welcome to New Books in Photography. I'm the host, Lorena Turner. I'm a lecturer in the communication department at California State Polytechnic University, as well as a photographer. Every month, I talk with a photographer about their recently published book. Some of the photographers who are interviewed work within the area of a commercial, documentary, fine art photography, or they could be academic photographers. There is an archive of past interviews that I've hosted on the New Books website, as well as their interviews between other hosts and authors who are working in areas like gender studies, political science, art, literature, music, history, and many, many more. You can find them at newbooksnetwork.org. Recently, I spoke with the photographer Leon Borenstein about his new book, Sharon. Sharon was published by Kerr Verlag. It's a collection of images taken over the first 30 years of the life of Leon's daughter, Sharon. She was born with disabilities, and Leon was, for 15 years, a single father and her primary caretaker. The images in Sharon reveal a person who is beautiful, mischievous, sensitive, and troubled. And they tell the story of a very unique father and daughter relationship. Leon and I talked about Sharon, his daughter in the book, as well as about how text can add or limit images in certain contexts. Hello, and welcome to New Books in Photography. Today, I'm talking with Leon Bornstein about his book, Sharon, which came out at the end of 2015 and was published by Kara Berlag. Welcome to the podcast, Leon. Welcome, Lorena. If you could start by telling, telling me a little bit about your book, Sharon. This is a book about my Sharon, about my daughter, Sharon, and it never was in intended to be as a book. She was born 32 years ago, and as loving father, as documentary photographer, I started to photograph her. Actually, I started to photograph her before she was born. I was photographing her mother, my wife then, when she was pregnant. When she turned, from beginning, I was suspecting that something wrong with my daughter. I was working commercially then. I was photographing a lot of people, a lot of children. And most of the children smiled to me. I, I always could be very easy to interact with the children. The only child that didn't smile or didn't look at me it was my daughter. So it was long history going to the doctors and slowly, slowly we learned that my daughter is disabled. I keep photographing her, documenting her and through her life after we, disc- we learned how disabled she is. And uh, on the end, you know, <laughs> it just comes as a book. Mm-hmm. It's another story because Kerrer uh, Verlag, the publisher, they contacted me like two years ago that they would like to make a book about uh, for me. It will be my fifth book. And I was very happy to show them my other project I'm working. They say, no, you are in, we are interested in Sharon, your daughter. I was kind of surprised and panicking. 
thinking that I have maybe like 20 good pictures that will make the book. So I was thinking to make small book. Then I'm looking through the, uh, my contact sheets, the, the prints, and I'm coming to 50, then to 100, then to 300, 400 uh, good pictures. So then there was another problem, uh, how to eliminate them, how to edit them out. And it was very, very difficult, took me whole year, because it was a few factors. First, it's, uh, I'm not objective. This is my daughter. Since being disabled, as every parent, as every father, I was trying to grab something to be proud of my daughter. I don't think it's very PC what I'm saying, but it's okay. And the most important thing about my daughter is her beauty. She's extremely beautiful, a young lady. So I didn't want to make the pick, the book of album of how beautiful my daughter is. And then I also didn't want to dwell on her disability and photograph her in the dark moment. That was plenty of them. So it took me time to figure out uh, which picture I'm using. I wanted to peep on this picture and feel happy, positive. And I also wanted the viewers of the book to look at that and try to understand what Sharon's going, what we as family going, what I as a single parent of female of a, of my daughter, how I was uh, doing. Similar situation I have with my previous book, Wines Adam and Superman, when I have collective portrait of 60 disabled artists in Creative Growth Art Center in Auckland. And a lot of photographers were coming there and taking advantage of them. I didn't want to do that. I have too much respect. And it was the same story there, how I'm photographing. It was so easy. Even the people that didn't look able to include them like a very basically like freak, like freaks. Sorry for that. It's like Diane Arbus. She was photographing irregular people and making them very not attractive. And most of people like to look at that because when you're looking on somebody that is a little bit different, we feel better. We feel superior. Look at them. And the them is my daughter. Mm-hmm. I hope it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it does make sense. You just you talked a lot about the book, and we're we're going to get into that um, on it, just a few minutes. I I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about your history as a photographer. It started around 150 years ago. That's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, the first time I saw. Uh, I was in some uh, in uh, Poland in Warsaw. It was some organization. It was some demonstration. I come there. And one of these uh, young uh, men, not men, we were just teenagers, but big picture, really big pictures of young women. And I, I guess it was photograph of his girlfriend. It was extremely grainy, out of focus. But I'm looking on that, I just fell in love. I say, oh my God, I have to do it, something like that. So I bought very cheap uh, and larger, and I was doing this in, in closet of my family when they were when they're going to sleep. Later, we emigrated to Israel, and I was studying art there, and actually I started with a sculpture. But then I discovered I don't have enough a talent to be to painting or sculpture, but a camera was the tool that helped me to express myself. And I started to photograph there, and I totally fell in love. And after getting two BAs, one in geography, one in art, 
I learned that a, you can continue deeper study of photography. So I come on student visa to United States for my a master and MFA in photography that I finished in 1980. And the career took off. A, one of the things that if, because for many different reasons, I didn't photograph people. I didn't want to photograph people. I was photographing everything but people. And when I was student, I couldn't work. And I saw at the newspaper that they're looking for photographer. And it was photographing people. It's something like a travel, traveling photographer going on fairs or something like that. I respond to that. And they asked me if I can photograph people. I said, of course, all my life I'm photographing. So I got the job. I went on flea market. I bought a few flashes, put them together with a tape, bought some umbrella, some stand, and I, I make studio. And they like my work, so I start to do it more and more. Actually, as a result of that, my, my strongest body of work, American Portraits, came as a book three years ago from Nazareli or four, four years ago. What was the reason that you couldn't take pictures or you felt that you couldn't take pictures of people before that? All these things, I really don't know exactly when I come to a realization. I knew, but it's very clearly come when I was putting this book for Sharon. All my books dealing with some uh, voiceless people, unseen people, under the dogs. And in Poland growing up, I was the underdog. Actually, I have a, what you hear, it's not necessarily my accent, but I have speech defect. And people were making fun of me. So I wasn't very, very social. Maybe I was social, maybe not, but uh, I was very careful uh, when I was talking. And then another thing, I was uh, a little bit traumatized on few levels. One, I was, uh, we lost a lot of family in Holocaust. And also, I, I, grew, I grew up in Poland that was a, obviously like a very Jewish name. And a lot of uh, people, even my best friend, sooner or later, uh, was making fun of me. Many times I get physical. And I wasn't very fond of people. I was much more co uh, closer to animals than to people. So my shyness also, I was shy. People couldn't understand me even now in the United States after so many years. Uh, so I feel much more comfortable photographing still life, animals, you name it, but people. I see. Well, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's talk now about your book, Sharon, uh, which came out at the end of 2015. Um, and you, you already talked a little bit about how the book got started. And then, I mean, the project that went, that became the book, which wasn't really a, formal project you were just photographing out of, you know, this that came because that's your impulse as a photographer is to photograph the things around you. And Sharon and your wife at the time were a part of your life. And then you talked about how that some the, the publisher came to you a couple of years ago and requested that the images um, become a book. How did the publisher, the people at the, the publishing company, how did they know about the images of Sharon? Okay, I forgot to mention that mm -hmm. uh, I forgot when. I can check that on the uh, Life magazine, but uh, the story. Yeah. And 
they bought the story, they, they pay me good money. They didn't promise me to publish that, but they didn't want to show this work to anybody else. It was in like August, and a few months later, I get telephone. We didn't have emails before, we have facts, but not emails, that they're going to publish uh, the story for uh, Christmas, for December issue of Life magazine. And they did, and they make this very, very big spread. It's beautiful spread. It we I have some issues with that. So I sent this. Uh, I have friends in Germany, and I think they give the Life magazine to the publisher there, and they saw that. Uh, so I know after pub- the after the Life magazine, I get a lot get a lot of letters from all over the world. Very funny and very sickening, like people looking on Sharon's picture saying, Mr. Borenstein, I know what she has, and I have just the perfect medication. Oh. Yeah. I was slapping Sharon from doctor to doctor, the best doctors in America. Nobody knew exactly what she has. Mm-hmm. And this, th- those people looking on the image of her. So, But it's a lot of, the, the, the Life magazine, the issue, they really move a lot of people. And maybe we should get, come back regarding when talking about book about how it touched the people, so they saw the people, the Life magazine, and I think they fell in love with that. And also, I think each publisher trying to publish different uh, topics to address different viewing public. So, for example, if they didn't have book about a something for the last year or two or three, and they finding this work strong. I think they'll be interested because then uh, the scope of the public or the followers of the publisher is growing because they, they're more interesting. They're just not going in one direction, but can showing a little bit more. The images in this book are all in black and white. It looks like they're shot in different formats, but many of them are medium format. Is that correct? Correct. How do you feel about having this kind of really heart and soul of your life in this form for people all over the world to see it. I, I am documentary photographer. And when Sharon was born, I have friends that they have disabled child and they live in denial. And for beginning was very open. The reason I was open because we didn't know very much about that. And by virtue of being so open, Sharon's benefited because every time somebody gives some advice or something, some understanding, I knew how to filter what is important, what is not important. So here, if I'm writing, a, making a book, I don't want to make this some stories that it's not reality. It is what it is. If Sharon will get Nobel Prize in astrophysics, I don't think I could take credit for that. If Sharon is born with all these handicaps, I don't think I can be blamed for that. I did, I did nothing with that. So it is what it is. It's a life. And by virtue of being so open, I can touch, I can help a lot of other people. For example, when we have the Kickstarter campaign going on, I was getting letters from all over the world. I get great response from a newspaper. I get letters from Italy. I get a letter from Vietnam, from mother, that she's claiming that she has son, obviously I believe her, that have similar syndrome like Sharon, and she was 
thanking me for showing her light on the end of the tunnel. The light was that Sharon started to, and you have pictures in the book when Sharon is smiling and happy and beautiful. So this mother having new baby, being so depressed, she doesn't know what's awaiting for her. Suddenly she can see that it's going to be a lot of depressing moments, but it's going to be a lot of nice moments, happy moments. And this is what it's life about. So I don't think I, obviously I was a little bit selective. I couldn't put everything. Maybe you could go back to that, what it's included in, in the book or not. I have a lot of, uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of people helped me to edit the book, the images, because it was beyond me. It was too close to, to my heart to be objective. And I always was writing diaries. I have a lot of writing. And usually my writing, I didn't feel compelled to write when life was <laughs> going good. But mm-hmm. I feel depressed when, you know, something happening, I was writing. So a lot of the writing is uh, kind of more when I'm, when I'm down. And I wanted to include some of the writing so people will understand that. And a lot of purists saying, Leon, don't put the writing. People are not interested in that. It's just slowing uh, the viewer from looking at the, uh, the picture. It distracted, etc., etc., and they were right. Especially now that a lot of people don't like a, with the, you know, the digital media. People, a lot of people don't like to look to re, to read, basically. And especially something that can be a little bit depressing. But on the end, I decided, you know, if I'm just making this visual book totally without the text, I will li- limit the scope of potential viewer. And by Having the text there, I'm expanding to play to people that will never buy photography book, pure a fine art book or something like that. And since my daughter is disabled and I'm kind of activist, I want to reach as too many people as possible. So I think the text is bringing totally new viewers to this media that they will never be interested in seeing photography book. I think also the just having the the images would make it more of an aesthetic experience mm-hmm. because you you are such the the way your the images in the book are you're they're black and white i mean you also do have large large format or instant um instant film as well as as you you vary the format as the book progresses and time goes on because the book is set up chronologically from the beginning of Sharon's life till till more contemporary times in her life and the way you photograph is very much, you're, you're very aware of light and shadow and texture and things that are inherently um, pronounced in black and white images. And I think if the text wasn't there, um, that it would be a, a much different kind of experience. You know, we, we wouldn't really have the insight of you as a participant in this story. It feels very necessary to me. Thank you for me too. Just talking about the format, I used uh, the square format, the medium format. Uh, I was using Hasselblad to most of my photography. Since I became single father uh, 18 years ago, I was a single parent for uh, like 15 years, my life totally changed. I lost, uh, I was photographing heavily for a newspaper for me, especially Newsweek, New York Times, and uh, other jobs like that. 
I couldn't travel, I couldn't leave Sharon alone. But I was still photographing. So it basically, when she, but my opportunity in my life was very, very limited, socially, you name it. So when Sharon was going to sleep, I was going downstairs to my studio to photograph somebody. And the only, and the only somebody available for me in my studio was myself. So I started to photo, do a lot of self-portraits. I'm a little bit anal about all the details. So I start to use the Polaroid a 55PN, that is positive-negative. So when I know that I like the positive, I like the Polaroid, everything is fine. I know I have good negative. And this is the reason I was using the 4x5 uh, format. So then I also start, because I love the negative, the quality of the negative, I start to photograph Sharon uh, with the Polaroid tool, with the view camera. Not many pictures, but something like that. So then you can see the, the different format. The latest pictures, I move a little bit progress and got digital camera. Much easier because it was much more casual. We're just going and it's so much easier. So therefore, you have the three different formats there. Another thing what I was grappling with, it was how to put the text. I was thinking to put the text separately on the end of the book, let's say some insert or something like that. The publisher didn't want to do that. It was too more expensive. So we decided to sprinkle the text through the book. And the text is not necessarily related to the image to next to the next uh, that it's placed there. But also the text was a uh, another issue was there. Uh, this is not a just book about Sharon. For 15 years, I was the most important uh, person in her life. And I think I'm still a uh, so it's a book about us how to insert myself. So I put a lot of self-portraits and I decided this is distracting. Then I decided to use the text as something that would be more of me there. But I also wanted the book to be more poetic. I didn't want just to be just pictures up and down, happy, not happy. So I was using a lot of metaphor. So suddenly you can see, and this is the same uh, symbols. I have a lot of bird rod and trees. For example, the first rod in the book is very curvy rod and very foggy. Basically, it's reflecting that we're just learning about Sharon. We don't have the rod. We don't know where is the rod taking us. It's very foggy. We don't know what's on the end of the rod. By the end of the book, you have another rod that is straightforward. You can see the rod. We know where we're going. And it's very, very, very dark picture. But then you have light cloud floating in the sky. So it's the hop there. The same with the trees, the same with the birds. So I decided also that I'm, I'm going to separate the text from Sharon by framing that. So I think the first text, it's a, maybe the second thing. On, on one hand, you, the, the, the spread starting with my hand holding Sharon's leg when she was a baby. And I framed that with, again, my hand with the dead bird. And then one of another one, it's like you have on the beach with the bird and not bird. So I was trying to kind of separate that. This is more metaf metaphor of how I feel that about a Sharon's visuals. Mm -hmm. It makes sense for how I'm expressing myself. It does. Absolutely. It absolutely makes sense. You also have in the book, kind of sprinkled throughout the book, and I, you probably had a word for this as you were compiling the book, but I'm just going to call them artifacts that are of the different 
aspects, I guess, of your experience and then also kind of things that Sharon created over time. There's a calendar and there's, uh, there's some writing and maybe I guess you may call it drawing as well. It's kind of a hybrid of like mark making and writing. What was the reason for including that? Because uh, it just, I just was trying to show. I think it's come from my previous book, Once Adam Went Superman, mm. when I was making the portrait of the disabled artist. I was making portraits in black and white, and it was so much talent and so much beautiful visuals there. Side to side, to put on the opposite side uh, their own writing, and little pictures of color, uh, pictures of one of the different art, different art, not the one that they're holding in the book, so people can see how beautiful it is. To know more about Sharon, because she likes uh, doing so-called art or something like that, is to show, introduce something about her. And then, for example, you can see she's also obsessive-compulsive, so you can see she's starting to tear everything. And then you have this pile of the, full of little papers that she's tearing them. The writing, what she sees, we used to write something for her in big letters and ask her to copy that. She was copying, and then she was coloring that. Then if you look looking on the uh, front and end paper of the book, it's kind of looks, something that looks, looks extremely complicated. It was like Sharon. You can see one what it says, some age, mm -hmm. and then she making circles there, and another circles. It looks like some some meta, 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 mathematical... Uh, Equation. Equations, yes. <laughs> very simple, but it looks so complicated, and, and, you know, it's very confusing for people. <laughs> Right. It does. It does. I mean, it's, it's quite a nice compliment to have this external perspective of sharing, you know, through your images. So, you know, photography is superficial, right? But also you, you add a dimension, you know, which is your, your talent as a photographer that's very emotional and psychological. But it's also fascinating to see Sharon's kind of internal life is represented by these, by her drawings and her, her, representations of her name in this way. And, and you're right. The, the end papers are quite, they're quite beautiful. Yes. They're quite, quite wonderful. I also really appreciate the, the detail of having the calendar. You have a, a page um, that's dedicated to the calendar of the month of May of 1985, which in which on different days, there's a notations about, her, it, it looks like what her behavior or what was you and maybe your wife observed in her. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, uh -huh. But also, it was a few things I was trying to show there. Sharon was nine months old. And uh -huh. you can see in one month, I think she has like four, five, six, even more doctor appointments there. Another thing it was there that, uh, okay, it's something extremely not PC. So let me tell you, see, tell this to the hand. I, I wish that every child born will be disabled child. But I want the child to be born disabled and very soon to outgrow that. Why? When you have a child like Sharon, we didn't take for granted anything. When she starts to move, when she starts to do something, we, we're celebrating every milestone for, uh, for her. And I know that parents of uh, child, uh, regular children or children without disability they're taking for, taking for granted. One year, she's going to walk, walk, two years going to talk, three years going to something like that. We didn't know what's going to happen. 
So the by virtue of celebrating and being so happy, I think you just love her even more and more because we really appreciate every single thing about her. That's wonderful. That's really, really wonderful and a really, a really important point. I'm sorry, go ahead. And Sharon knows that she's love. And she, everything what she did, we just celebrate, we just say, uh, appreciate. And now even it's going to such extent that she's just making line something, say, look at that, look, 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 look. And yes, nice. And I'm trying now to say, okay, Sharon, you big girl, you woman. We don't have to be so proud every time you just saw that. It was very positive. Mm-hmm. And I know, for example, personally, I could use something like that when I was growing up. <laughs> sure. Sure. I, I just keep, I keep looking back at the pictures and they're just so every, every viewing of the book, I think there's another, another kind of emotional reaction or almost like another layer to her and even to myself as a viewer that, that I'm uncovering. It's, it's really an, an, an incredible book. Thank you. If I can mention something. Of course. As, as I mentioned before, it took me a whole year to edit that. So sometimes when you're pairing the pictures, it's not very clear. And I know most people not get that. So let me explain, for example, like two images. Sorry. By the end of the book, you have close-up of her face and three facing her and I also didn't put many captions there because I didn't want to get people to get distracted I have few captions on the end of the book just to explain the situation and on this picture she's she has scissors she has scissors scissor disorder how is I was looking for some equivalent hack and show so if you're looking on the tree it's like her brain some the synopsis is touching, some of them not touching, some of them going different. This is like a map of something that is totally incomplete map. I don't know if you see the image there or not. I do. I'm looking at it. It looks like the trees are on the right side, on the on the right-hand page, and then her yeah. face is on the left, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So this is like a picture of her brain that is not a connection a working or something like that. So I don't think this metaphor was uh, happening there. Mm. Then you have the last, the almost last picture with the two birds there, you know. The big heavy bird, it's me. It's just kind of hardly floating there. And my dream that should be the little bird going up there. I have one picture that totally relating related to the uh, writing. It's also by the end when you have this tree by the road, it's kind of very, very out of focus. And if you if you read this, I'm saying that, you know, I'm like the tree. You know, if they're raining on me, I'm kind of the wind trying to break me. And I'm, I'm always shaking all this off and I'm always staying there for Sharon. Because this was unbelievable struggle. You know, you have fight this, the medical, whatever, institutions and the government and everything. And just like, you know, just you by yourself there taking care of your daughter and trying to be there for her. And I'm the only thing that she can really always lean on because you know everything is fluid she has stepsister that she lives here she moved to indiana her mother is here it's not here you know her first training order against her i'm the only thing that there so it's for me it was kind of like everybody kind of uh, by want or do not want but kind of trying to destroy me and i'm you no know, it's too big words but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah something that you know she can lean on me always and it, and she's not aware of that. I mean, she loves me. She knows who I am, something. But she doesn't realize 
the sacrifice a parent have to make to be for her and fight. Even I'm fighting all the time for her. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say. I, I was going to ask, uh, well, I was going to say for, for just a moment ago, I was going to say something about the captions. I mean, I think uh, that, you know, the, the lack of captions, the absence of captions and the absence, what, how I read that is there's, you, you don't feel the necessity to explain everything, you know, which is something that as a photographer, I struggle with is just how much, how much of a story is conveyed by an image and then how much actually needs to be explained through text. And I think, you know, in my experience in talking with photographers, there's a range of different ways that people feel about an, an image standing on its own or standing as part of a collection of images, you know, and, and then how, you know, some people really want the images to speak for themselves. And then some people really want text to be there and, and will argue that, Text cannot, you know, that the photo cannot exist without the text there to support it. But I think that in your book, in these images, you like not having that explanation there, you know, it leaves the images completely open in a way that having the text there would have grounded them and just allowed for a very narrow interpretation. Very, uh, very good interpretation. Thank you, Lorena. It's yeah. really, exactly, uh, you know, because also when you're looking on the it's like you're going, you know, good museums, they don't have the captures uh, under the pictures because most people, not a lot of people reading what it is, they're looking and walking away. If you don't have the capture, then I think you're spending a little bit more time trying to figure out what it is. And if the picture is not good enough, you're not staying on the picture, it's going to the next picture or to the next page. And I hope that people spend a little bit more time looking on the images and trying to see Sharon's experience, my experience, Look at this as a, also as a photography, you know, a, as art, you know, not every picture in the book or most of it's not necessarily an art because, you know, it's my daughter, but it was spent a little bit more time that it's not so obvious. And if they're not coming with clear answer, it's fine. The few things I have to, the caption when suddenly Mary has step, stepsister coming there. Because I, on the beginning, I'm saying I never want a child, and Sharon's my only daughter. And suddenly, or when she's dancing with this older guy, who is this guy, or suddenly mm -hmm. she's riding Harley Davidson there, you know. Mm -hmm. I owe explanation what it is, you know. It's mm -hmm. I, I just limited to just a few and totally separately, yes. I think that just like looking at those two pictures, kind of using those two pictures that you just described as example of Sharon dancing with this man and mm -hmm. Sharon on a Harley Davidson. They, it's almost like we, as a, as a viewer, you know, we, we have this insight into Sharon, this one very, we're starting with this very specific understanding of who Sharon is. And you're showing us all of these experiences and all of these facets of her life and all of, and, you know, and all of these things that she's gone through. Um, and so it, you're, you're allowing us to create kind of an empathetic relationship or empathetic connection with her in some way, which is another, you know, benefit of multiple viewings of this book. There's definitely the, the, the formal experience of looking at the images and then, you know, with more viewings, it just, there's, there's a depth that, that occurs. What is Sharon's relationship to you as a photographer? Does she see you as your photography as distinct from you or is it all 
one, are you one person who is always with a camera and does she have any feelings or thoughts about you as a photographer? Yes. Her feeling is, this is again, this annoying guy with this camera. Oh. And then he's coming and bothering me. <laughs> if she feels that way. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know that feeling so well from my own son. <laughs> that response, I should say. Let me tell you an example. Sure. Sharon's, Sharon's autistic and she's a blind. She's legally blind. She has a, a little bit of vision. So she compensating with her uh, hearing. She's very, she has very good hearing, but she likes music and she likes to dance. And you have the two pictures with the four by five, when she, one next to the other one, when she's dancing there. And when she's dancing, she's dancing so beautifully. I have no idea where she's getting the, you know, she likes to listen to opera, to ballet, or something like that. So I'm trying to sneak with my camera. And the moment she sees the camera, she stops totally stop dancing till I, I moved another room. I don't interrupt her. So sometimes she's cooperating, like you have the hand with her teeth, the, the tooth that she lost tooth or something like that. She'll cooperate sometimes, and sometimes she's not cooperating. I don't think she really is enough sophisticated, say that, to see the difference. I think we, I'm just one packet. I'm the father, I'm the caregiver, I'm this and this and this. I have the camera or something like that. But I don't think she's a, she can really go further than that. Tell me about Sharon now. Where Where is she and how is she? She is she's in supported living. She's sharing apartments with another disabled woman, older than her. And she has support there. And she lives close to home. That was my choice because I want to see her uh, often. I want to be on top of things, what's happening. And also, we didn't have to change her day programs. So the transition was very good, easy for her. And actually, to my, on some level, my disappointment, she was ready to move. Because I tell her, you, you want to, uh, we introduce her to this uh, woman. And she said, do you want to move there? I, she said, yes. So I asked a few times, she said, yes. And I was surprised. After all this year, suddenly you're ready to, <laughs> to go on. Mm. And then, you know, it was like perfect storm, actually. I couldn't do this anymore. In the book I wrote there that, you know, when the judge asked me if I'm ready to take over when they took a restraining order, took all the rights away from my ex-wife and from me, I was sure that I'm going to have Sharon week, two weeks, month, and I'm going to place her. I was a photographer. Traveling for different magazines, I was traveling all over the world. I couldn't see myself staying in one place for two, three weeks, taking care of my very disabled, difficult daughter. Fifteen years later, I I just couldn't do this anymore. I I was, you know, I, it just it was, and this was completely time that I find this place that was very good place. I was ready, and obviously Sharon was ready too. Hmm. So I just explained myself, you know, like kids in 2021, they're moving to college. They're not hmm. staying with the parent. She's a little bit, you know, so she's happy. And I'm glad because with me, she was sharing the house with all the guy. Mm-hmm. that was telling her what to do, what, what do not to do. The other place, it's another woman they're living. And each one has their own caregiver. So you have like two, one disabled woman and two not disabled women. So it's much more live. They not, uh, you know, the TV is always loud. They, 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 
neglecting a little bit here, a little bit there. They're not so uh, something like that. It's it's uh, it's some negative aspect for that too that I don't want to necessarily elaborate in public. But Sharon's look quite happy there, and it's make me very happy. I have some issues. Sharon's not aware of these issues, but you know she's happy. It's make me very happy too. Yes. Have you seen changes in her since she's been in this new environment? Uh, yes, it's uh, yes and no. She's still the same person. The only thing that the uh, changes that uh, I'm, t- I'm uh, trying to reverse the changes there. Oh, thank Just, you. Uh, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, go ahead. I, I hate to live like that. Uh, basically, with, uh, we have a little bit issues with the care she's getting. Uh-huh. Most of most of the people they're not paying. Uh, obviously to caregivers on any level, you know, enough money. So not everybody is highly qualified to work with disabled person. So they take this easy. We neglect not realizing that Sharon really needs special care. They also come, everybody coming from different backgrounds. And I have Sharon for 30 years, 15 years as single parent. I know what's worked for her. I know what's good. She needs special diet and everything. And I cannot, not necessarily I can convince the people to follow the manuals that mm-hmm. I wrote for them, how to make a, the meal, how to prepare the meal. Sharon at home was getting everyday gourmet meal, cooked from a scratch, everything organic and everything. Mm-hmm. And she never needed to go to the doctor or anything. It's not, she still doesn't need to go to doctor now, but it's uh, some issues that I'm trying to change that. I see. What are you working on now? Uh, I make this mistake to promise myself do not teach anymore, and I'm teaching because I'm really enjoying being with young people, and it's really I really like to teach. So it's a little bit time-consuming. I'm working on a. I'm next week. I'm going to Paris for the book signing for the publisher to Photo Paris, but mostly a. I have like five or six different projects. I was always photographing. And now I'm trying to put them together and turn to something much more specific, basically for for books. And I keep also photographing. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to put this together. I'm scanning the negatives. It's very slow process. And I'm getting distracted so easy. And I have so many distractions. Well, good luck with the book signing next week. Oh, it'll be fine. That will be fun. That'll be fun, I'm sure. Yeah, the only thing, because I'm teaching twice a week, I'm just taking one day from the teaching, so I'm going to be four days in Paris after flying there and back just four days, and I like Paris, so. You wish you wish it were longer, it sounds like. Yeah. I want to ask where your, people can find your book to, to purchase it. I think it's in many stores, but I think uh, the best thing if people go to my website, leonborenstein.com, and then there will be contact how to get to my website and order the book for me. And they can also order the book from uh, Amazon. The only thing is they ordering the book from me, I will sign the book from uh, them. And actually I'm putting some goodies that no, uh, my personal uh, goodies. Mm-hmm. It's not cookies or something like that, but I have 12 very high quality postcards from my different projects. One of them is from a American portrait and one from Japan when I was from New York Times photographing the underworld there and the Yakuza's really, really stuff. So I'm putting the 
the beautiful postcard with the book. They also support the, I don't want to say starving artists, but they, <laughs> they will support the artists too, this way. But they can buy the book, I think, in every place. Best of luck with, with this book and with your future projects. And thank you so much for spending time with me today talking about Sharon. Thank you, Lorena. It was really a pleasure spending time with you and talking to you. And thank you for your interest in my book. I really appreciate that. 